This is Vern Benham Grimsley with the Spiritual Renaissance broadcast. Recently in my studies, I came across this curious old state law. In the state of Arkansas, it used to be the law that when two trains approached a railroad crossing, each train was required to stop, and neither train was to proceed until the other train had passed. But, needless to say, if neither could proceed until the other had passed, that would mean that both trains would simply sit and wait for the other to move, and neither one of them would move. They would have come to an impasse, and forward motion would be halted. And likewise, if in the living of your life you simply feel that it isn't going anywhere, you must take the initiative. And you can, if you will. All of the time that you're waiting for circumstances to change, circumstances are waiting for you to change. It is simply up to you. You can sit on the same track without budging, without moving for days, weeks, for years of your life, really. Or you can begin to move forward if you will let new power flow into your life, if you will dare to let God into your life. The transforming, renewing, revivifying power of God who loves you, who has a will for your life, who has a plan for this planet and a purpose for your very existence, which can thrill you and fill you with motivation and a reason for being alive, living as the son or daughter of God you were born and created to be and as you really long to live. You may be thinking to yourself, but to risk my very life itself by committing it totally, unreservedly to God, dare I do that? Perhaps the very specter of that, the very thought of that, seems terrifying, awesome, foreboding. And yet, in the great moments and the great issues of life, one must be willing to take exactly that sort of risk. One anonymous author has written, to laugh is to risk appearing a fool, to weep is to risk appearing sentimental. To reach out for another is to risk involvement. To expose feelings is to risk rejection. To place your dreams before the crowd is to risk ridicule. To love is to risk not being loved in return. To go forward in the face of overwhelming odds is to risk failure. And yet, risks must be taken. Must they not? Because the greatest hazard of life is to risk nothing. The person who risks nothing of course, does nothing and has nothing. He may avoid suffering, may avoid sorrow to some degree, but that person cannot learn and feel and change and grow and really love. Chained by his certitudes, he's a slave, has forfeited his freedom. The person who dares to take risks in the great issues of life, that person is truly free. Some might argue that trusting God is the greatest risk of all. Because to pray to God and to mean it when you pray it, your will be done, is to give your very self all that you are and all that you hope to be into the hands of your Creator. And yet, yet only in that moment, in the moment of taking that greatest risk of all, do you discover the greatest truth of all, the loving goodness of God, the trustworthiness of God, that God is worthy of all your trust and all your faith and all your hope. And in that moment, 
you achieve the greatest freedom of all, the freedom to live as the infinitely valuable son or daughter of God you really are because you dared to be open to that higher truth which cannot be proved by mortal logic, which cannot be demonstrated in syllogisms and equations of mathematics, but which you can find and know to the joy of your heart and the satisfaction of your soul. But you must dare to be open to this. Some years ago, 492 people died in a raging fire at the old Coconut Grove nightclub. And afterward, a member of the Department of Housing and Buildings in Washington, D.C., was explaining that tragic Coconut Grove nightclub burning disaster of 1943. There was nothing wrong with the planning of that club, with the architecture or the engineering, this expert said. It had the proper number of exits. But the trouble was, he said, that all of those exits were locked. 492 human beings were killed in that blaze. Dare to keep the doors open in your life. Do not shut out the possibility of growing in new directions. Don't lock the portals of your mind. Keep your life unbolted and open to newness, to growth, to new truth, to new light, to human need, and above all, keep your life and your mind and your heart open to God, the God who loves you, with a love so astonishing you cannot begin to imagine it. It cannot be portrayed on a broadcasting microphone or on tape, but you can know it in your heart and your soul because God loves you. God really does. God cares for you. Knows all the problems in your life. Those things with which you deal and cope, your despairs, your anxieties, your fears, your frights, your hopes, your dreams, your ideals, your aspirations. God knows all these things, and God has given a fragment of infinity of his very spirit living within your mind to indwell you, to transform you, if only you will be thus willing to give your life to God and his transformative touch. And in this lies genuine joy. I remember a man one time said to me, I'm easy to please, but I'm hard to satisfy. Difficult it is to be truly satisfied in the living of life. Much easier to be pleased. Being pleased is usually a superficial and outward matter. But being really satisfied is something which takes place deep within the recesses of your heart and soul. And you can never be really satisfied with the merely temporary, with the fleeting, with the passing things of time and space. You can only really be satisfied when you come upon something deep and eternal, something good, true, and beautiful, something of the very essence of existence. And you can only be ultimately satisfied in your soul by the finding and knowing of God. Augustine said, O God, thou hast made us for thyself, and the heart of man is restless until it finds its rest in thee. There is a God-shaped vacuum in every human heart. And only God can fill that place in your life. God loves you. Give your life this moment to God, to that new faith, to that higher understanding, to a new perception of who you are and what life was intended to be and what this universe is and what all eternity can be for you. 
an eternal, unending, ceaseless adventure of new joys, new love, new discovery of truth and beauty and goodness and spiritual things, the most important things, the most wonderful and satisfying things in all of human life. And this is an activating philosophy. This gets your life going as it was intended to go. Two little girls one time were in danger of being late for school. And one of the girls said, well, let's stop and pray. And let's ask God to get us to school on time this morning. The other one said, no, let's run down the sidewalk with all of our might as fast as we can, and let's pray to God while we're running down the sidewalk. Prayer is not torpid inaction. It is rather an augmentation of your action. It is a motivator, a prime motivator for truly great living. And God can stimulate and inspire your thinking, your philosophy, your mind, your attitudes, your actions and reactions. And all things then become new, and you have a new perception of your own value. One of the most authoritative English language dictionaries, published in the year 1944, carried this fascinating, now fascinating definition of uranium. Quote, a rare, heavy, white, metallic element. It is never found native and has no important uses, although certain of its salts are used as pigments, especially in the manufacture of glass and porcelain. Did you hear that? Quote, no important uses. That was what was written in 1944 about what is today one of the most valuable metals in existence on Earth, uranium. You, too, may think that you, too, have no really important uses. No great reason for being here, no mighty or important cause, but in the eyes of God, you have secret purposes which can give tremendous meaning and power and zest and joy to your life. Because a life given to God takes on a meaning and a power which you would not have dreamed possible before. Because God's hand upon your life is transformative, and you can discover that yourself personally, beginning this instant, this very moment, if you will. There's a great poem by the poet Myra Brooks. Listen to this. I've loved this for years. "'Twas battered and scarred, and the auctioneer thought it scarcely worth his while to waste much time on the old violin. But he held it up with a smile. "'What am I bidding, good folk?' he cried. "'Who'll start the bidding for me? A dollar, a dollar, then two, only two. Two dollars? Who'll make it three? Going for three. But no, from the room far back, a gray-haired man came forward and picked up the bow. Then wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening the loosened strings, he played a melody pure and sweet as caroling angels sing. The music ceased, and the auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, Now what am I bid for the old violin? And he held it up with the bow. A thousand dollars. Who will make it two? Two thousand. Who will make it three? Three going once, three thousand twice, and going and gone, cried he. And the people cheered, but some of them cried, We do not understand what changed its worth. Quick came the reply, the touch of the master's hand. And many a man with life out of tune and battered and scarred with sin is auctioned cheap to a thoughtless crowd, much like the old violin, a mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a game that he travels on. He is going once and going twice. He's going and almost gone. 
But the master comes, and the foolish crowd never can quite understand the worth of a soul and the change that is wrought by the touch of the master's hand. May you this moment in your life feel the transformative touch of the master's hand. Write to us at the Spiritual Renaissance Institute, Box 3080, Oakhurst, California, 93644, United States of America. I've written pieces of literature on finding God, getting to know God, seven principles of prayer, the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man. They're all in a booklet titled Growing Spiritually. And it's yours without cost, charge, or obligation when you write to us. We also have one titled Life After Death. What happens when you die and what happens afterward? Write for this. Box 3080, Oakhurst, California, 93644, United States of America. This is a non-sectarian, non-profit program proclaiming the dawning spiritual renaissance, the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man, the worldwide family of God. And so for now, this is Vern Benham Grimsley saying, May God's will be done by you. Good day.